0: Well, hi, Bridgeway family. How great to be with you. Obviously, it's a little bit different, but that's all right. That's all right. We can can work with it, right? Well, I'll tell you what, uh, I have a message of joy for you. Now, that is because it was assigned to me, not that I wasn't going to talk about joy anyway, but my message for this Advent series is literally on joy. We're talking about real joy. And I want to kind of recap for us, for those of us that haven't been a part of the series each and every week, we are covering the four different pieces of Advent. So here's really what you need to know. Ready? I'm going to cut to the chase. Here we go. Advent means anticipatory waiting and eagerly planning. Now, what are we waiting for? We're waiting for rescue. Who are we waiting for? We're waiting for Jesus. What does that mean? It means everything's good. Everything is good. Paul's letter to the Philippians is actually called the epistle of joy, which I find absolutely fascinating. Uh, The word joy or rejoice is used 16 times in that letter. Why is that so amazing? Because he wrote it from prison. He wrote it from prison at a time when he didn't know whether he was going to get out or whether or not he was going to be martyred. So here in a prison scenario, attached to guards, having no real freedom of his own, possibly facing dying for the gospel, Paul wrote his most joyful Letter. How in the world is that possible? Well, that's what we're gonna be covering today. I hope you get a chance to take out your Bible and kinda of look through some of the passages with me. But here's what we need to know. We need to know what joy is. Here we go. Joy is the feeling that things are good. Joy is the feeling that things are good. It's the emotion that happens when things are going right, when good things come your way. It's really closely tied to the popular term, happiness. Now, if you wanna go old school, it was gladness and it was blessed. All those are linked terms. But here's what's intriguing. We talk about, maybe you've grown up around the church, and we've talked about the fact that joy is different than happiness. But really, it's the same concept. Really, it's the same idea, and you go, well, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Everybody makes this big deal about joy, about how joy is deeper, and happiness is transitory, or happiness is circumstantial. So what's the deal there? Well, here's what's intriguing. Same concept, but that's also right. One is deeper. Why? I'm gonna give you that fill in the blank on your app. If you wanna fire up that app, you can take a look at it. Here's the fill in the blank, and this is the heart of everything I'm gonna be sharing today. Because I think all of us need a little bit more joy in our lives, amen? Especially right now, the irony of planning for this weekend, knowing all the craziness that kinda knocked us out of live church, and then suddenly talking about joy is not lost on me. That irony is hilarious. Now, that's totally God. Listen to this fill in the blank or write this down, ready? Joy is the greater happiness. Joy is the greater happiness. Now you're gonna say that doesn't even make any sense. Oh, it will. It'll make a lot of sense by the time I'm done with this message. Let's talk about it. Not all circumstances are equal. Not everything that you go through, not everything that happens is equal. For example, not all things that bring you happiness are the same. Not everything that happens in your life produces the same level of happiness or joy. Getting an ice cream cone and having your first child are not the same. It's not the same level of joy. One dwarfs the other one, yeah? Well, in the same way, not every bad thing or difficulty in your life is of equality. Some things are no big deal, some things are devastating. Getting a cold versus losing a loved one do not even match. Completely different scenarios. The intersection between those levels is where joy is found. Hang in with me, I know that sounds weird, but let me give you an example. Imagine this, you have your significant other, you guys have been dating for three years. You're absolutely madly in love and this is the big day. You didn't know it was coming or maybe you planned for it and now you're getting engaged. And this is just, whoa, my goodness, I can't believe this is happening. Your mind is going ballistic with all these thoughts of the future and what does it really mean? And there's the ring and it's on the finger and now it's the real deal. Now we're going to actually plan for getting married and all that. And on the way home from the event, you get a flat tire. Do you really care? Nope, sure don't. You're singingly replacing a flat tire as if it's completely fine. Any other day, that would have hijacked everything. Any other day, you would have just said, well, that ruined my day and I had to fix my tire and and that costs a lot, now I gotta get it fixed and blah, blah, blah. But not today. Because the joy of one event eclipsed the bad of another event, and it didn't even mark your soul. The joy, the greater happiness, eclipsed the lesser trial. You see, the difference with Christian joy, the world has their own version of joy, and it means what is their highest level of hope. Here we go. What Christianity does is elevate the ultimate happiness so it can't be overwhelmed by anything earthly. Christian happiness raises the bar. Christian joy raises the bar and it raises it so high that nothing here on this planet can diminish it. It is such a great happiness, nothing can make it less. The reason why it is unmoved by circumstances, is because it is fixed on something grand in the future that is immovable and sure, and it makes all other difficulties pale in comparison. What do I mean? Well, here we go. Romans 8.18, Paul said this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. So let's talk about joy. Let's kind of pull it apart a little bit. Let's talk about joy versus rejoicing, right? Because you see those all over the Bible, right? Well, here's the simple answer. When joy is talked about as a noun, it's joy. When it's talked about a verb, it's rejoice. And here's how it works. It's changed to rejoice and it means to stir up those good feelings and get pumped because something amazing is happening. It's a Christian command, the idea of rejoicing. It means get your head back in the game. God is good, and he has everything under control. As a matter of fact, in Philippians 4.4, Paul says it twice, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say what? Rejoice. That's a command. Get your head back in there because indeed your circumstances have moved on you. Things have changed. Things are difficult here. But when you begin to get your mind fixed on the incredible things of God, what he has really accomplished for you, it begins to shape your soul. Joy comes from God. Now that seems kind of silly to say, but we tend to think of God as dour, sad, I mean, because here's the deal, when you open up the news and you look at everything, you kind of get bummed out, right? I mean, there's bad stuff happening everywhere. Well, imagine you're God, you have this huge vantage point, and you see everything on the planet wouldn't that just make you sad every day? And so we project our feelings and limitations up on him and we picture that God is consistently disappointed and God is consistently sad. Why? Because he sees all the bad stuff we see and a whole bunch more. But that's not true. Psalm 16, The psalmist said this, you make known to me the path of life, God. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In God's presence, wherever he is at, there is the fullness of joy. Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you these things that your joy may be full. What was his whole point? His whole point was this. Yes, God sees everything bad, but God also sees his power of redemption. God also sees everything good. God also sees the end from the beginning. God also is in the constant reality of him in victory. God is always joyful. He's not limited by what limits us. He's not affected by what affects us. In God's presence, there is a fullness of joy and that is why joy is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You remember that, right? Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Right at the beginning, the fruit of the Spirit is joy, when we have God present in our lives, actively walking with us, renewing our mind, constantly telling us, I'm in control, I have this one, I'm with you, I've never left you or abandoned you, I know how to handle this circumstance, I'm taking you to glory. When you have that constant reminder, like a living water, like a running river, that produces joy up inside you that transforms your mindset. True Christian joy, that joy that is elevated above everything else, that high bar joy, is the gift to Christians because God is within us. Now, I gotta be honest about something. I hate Christian cliches. Now, that's probably not good for a pastor to say because a bunch of them are grounded in scripture, but here's why it really bothers me. When people say something cliche and they go, wow, but they don't really know what it means and they don't know how to describe it to me, I'm the type of guy that if someone tells me what to do, I don't need to know why for obedience reasons, I need to know why for engagement reasons. I need to know what the world we're talking about so I can get all of me on board. I'm totally willing to go along with the program, but I just wanna know how do I engage. And a lot of that has to do with understanding it myself. So when cliches are dropped out there, and there was one that I've heard all my life, and quite frankly, I was never able to take the time to dig into it, and so it bugged me. And one of those was this, the joy of the Lord is your strength. I don't know why it bothered me so much. I guess it was because of this. When I was feeling terrible and somebody would just write a card and it said the joy of the Lord is your strength, I said, what does that mean? I don't feel any better after you just said that. It's not like you gave me some magic little mantra and it made everything fine again. So what does it mean? Because it is biblical. It is powerful, so what does it mean? Well, thankfully, I got a chance to break that down for this message, so let's talk about it. Here we go. Your level of joy is directly tied to the level of hope that you have. Let me say that again. Your level of joy is directly tied to the level of hope you have. So joy always begins with good news. What is the good news that we know that's going to sustain us through every trial of this world? What could be so amazing that the crushing difficulty of this life can't shake it? Four things, God came to rescue, an offer of life was extended, a new reality was revealed, and a future hope was secured. I'm gonna say that again, that is our fact. That is our hope. That is the good news. God came down on earth to rescue us. He died on the cross and offered real eternal life. Then he opened up a new reality that we live in which says that God is always with us, will never forsake us, will never abandon us, that indeed we are partakers of the divine nature. He opened up a whole reality and then he said, I'm coming back to take you so you will always be where I am. That's the good news. That hope will sustain us through anything this world can throw at us because this world can only throw temporary and temporary against eternal pales in comparison. Joy begins with good news and then it's revealed... In the impact of that good news, Proverbs 17.22, I know you know this one, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Let's say that again. Proverbs 17.22, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. What does that mean? It means this. When you have joy up in your spirit, it makes an impact on your physical body. We are intertwined beings. That means that mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, all of that is an ecosystem. When one is moved, the other is moved. When we have joy in our spirit that is locked to a higher hope, when you learn good news, it brightens up your spirit and all of a sudden your body feels stronger. There have been numerous studies done in health industry right? that constantly tells you when you have a joyful spirit, it actually helps you heal. It has an effect. So here we go. We begin with good news. It's revealed in our bodies. And then joy is practical in its reality. Here's what I mean. When we have hope, we have joy. When we know it's gonna turn out right in the end, we can sustain almost anything. When we focus on the greatness to come, the weight of today is lifted significantly. That was a mouthful, right? Let me back through again. How is the joy of the Lord our strength? Because we know something that is so powerful and enduring, that it's beyond this world, that it gets deep into our spirit and raises us up with strength, we now know that it's going to come to an end so we have joy and glorious joy at that. And it transforms our bodies and strength returns to us. Is the joy of the Lord currently strengthening you? So we talk about all this heavy, you know, in the end, it's all gonna be good. In the end, it's all gonna be good. And I think that there's some of us that right now have something that we're walking through and we have to ask a fair question. Is there any joy for me today? I get the joy of knowing it's all gonna turn out, and I know the ability to endure, and I know all the perseverance passages, but is there anything that brings the happiness today? Well, I have great news for you. The Bible describes God as the God of all comfort, and it says that the Holy Spirit is our comforter, and it describes Jesus as the Prince of Peace. When you have a God described like that, who's actively involved in our lives, you better believe there's joy for today. There's refreshment joy. Let me give you some examples on what that means. Psalm 30, four through five, you'll know the end of it, right? But here's how it starts. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. That's a refreshment joy. That's saying that, yes, things are difficult, but there is refreshment coming from your heavenly Father. Let me give you another one. Paul wrote this in Romans 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in your believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. That there is refreshment that comes directly from the Lord there is refreshment that comes supernaturally into our bodies when we are connected with him. That means that even as a Christian, and and that, that as you're walking through difficult circumstances, maybe it's a difficult diagnosis, maybe it's a job loss, as you're walking through that, there are little gifts from our Father that are refreshment pieces, little treasures throughout the day to strengthen us and build us back up. But in addition to those refreshment joys, the Bible lays out a plan for planned joy. Let me give you an example. Proverbs 12 20. It says, deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but those who plan peace have joy. Those who plan peace have joy. I'll give you another verse, Ecclesiastes 2:26. For to the one who pleases God, he has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. Jesus said in John chapter 15, he said, I'm the vine and you're the branches. If you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. What it means is the closer connected we are as a planned way of life, the more we abide in him and he abides in us, the more we remain in him and he remains in us, the more we're connected, the more that the Holy Spirit is flowing through like an unhindered conduit of joy from heaven flowing right into our lives. It doesn't mean that you can't grieve I think that this is where the Christian pendulum swings, right? You either have the dour, sour-faced people, right? Where you're like, man, the joy of the Lord clearly is not, recon- is not recognized on your face at all. Like there is darkness on your face, right? That is inappropriate. But in the same way, people that are pie in the sky that are ignoring that there's anything else going on for other people and they're just pretending it way. neither one of those are the Christian truth, the Christian truth is acknowledging that which is difficult. As a matter of fact, in First Thessalonians, it says that when we lose someone, we're allowed and called to grieve. But we don't grieve like those who have no hope. Even our grieving process is transformed because of the truth that we know. Amen? I gotta tell you a a personal story here. So, when we had Jillian, our first daughter, and when I say when we had, when my wife was carrying Jillian as she was pregnant, uh, she did not have an awesome pregnancy. We're just simply gonna say that, we're not gonna go into any more details, except it was horrific. There we go. Has nothing to do with Jill, Jill's awesome. It has to do with how Susie's body interacted with it. Very, very difficult pregnancy. As a matter of fact, it was so difficult that after we had our first child, we considered for a while whether or not we would have a second child. We had to sit down and over years process through, can we do that again? What if it's worse? We had to make a decision to have a second child. Now, you obviously know the end of the story because I have two girls. We made the decision for the joy that was going to be set before us. We made the decision to walk through difficulty and here's the sad truth. It was worse the second time we made that decision knowing that we were gonna walk through whatever the pain was because we knew the joy was gonna come in the morning. And I gotta tell you, Jill and Andy are the lights of my life. And we were able to walk through anything to get to there. The reason why that's so important is because it's exactly what Jesus did. Hebrews 12, one through two. when you have a joy to look forward to that is almost inexpressible, you can walk through any challenge. What do you think the good news of the gospel is? But the greatest news the world has ever received. Advent means waiting, planning, preparing. The first advent Was Israel's. They were the only ones watching. They were the only ones concerned, it seemed, that they had been told and whispered to by God that indeed a Messiah was going to come. And so they waited and they waited and waited. And then it happened. The Messiah showed up. He was born. And the angels came down and sounded the trumpet, and they told the shepherds this. Luke 2, 8 through 11, it says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you what? Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. What's the news? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. But then we got a whisper that the angels in Israel weren't the only ones looking for hope. We find out in the next passage in Matthew 2, 9 through 11, and behold, the star that the wise men had seen when it rose went before them. They came to rest over a place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They rejoiced, verb, exceedingly with great joy. That is joy upon joy upon joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And opening their treasures, they offered him gifts gold and frankincense and myrrh. As we walk into this Christmas season, anticipate the joy. Plan for the joy. You see, our Advent today is Israel Plus. It's now Israel, and then the family was expanded to include the family of God, all of God's children You see, we are still eagerly anticipating the return of Jesus Christ to make all things right. We don't have candles to light for it, but it's indeed what we're waiting for. Anything that increases our hope means more joy. Sometimes that's some really unusual stuff. You remember Paul, I said, wrote Philippians, the epistle of joy from prison. How can he do that? Paul went one step further and he said this. He said, consider persecution. Consider trials as joy. As a matter of fact, he said that we needed to do that because it's evidence that we are tied to Jesus Christ and as a Christian we have both salvation for today and a glorious future for tomorrow. So every time there's evidence that you are God's kids, rejoice because it only points out that your future is bright. James, the brother of Jesus said it the same way. He said this, count it all joy my brothers when you meet trials of various kinds because because it changes you. Paul said we should rejoice in our sufferings because it's making us more Christ like. It's shaping us more and more into the vessel that God can use to change the world. It's clearing up the channels of communication and connection between us and God. It's cleansing the world out of us and making more room for the Holy Spirit. So Paul said in Romans 5:2, through him we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope doesn't put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. What does it mean? It means God has a million avenues to get joy into your spirit. It means not only in the big picture, but in the little picture. Not only in the good stuff, but in the bad stuff. It means he's gonna find a way to pepper joy into your soul at every opportunity. Good news. Great joy. It's for all of us. So let's wrap this up. Have you forgotten the good news? Have you stared too long at the circumstances of your temporal life and taking your eyes off your Jesus. Maybe that's why your joy level is a little low. Will you stir your heart back into the hope and let joy begin to arise in you? It's just waiting there. How do I know that? Because the Holy Spirit is there. Will you choose to rejoice day in and day out because God is good and he has handled everything that truly matters regardless of momentary difficulty? Christmas highlights when the world was dark, God brought a bright light. And then the rest of the New Testament tells us that as our world grows dark, finally the Lord will make it right. As we finish up, I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray for those of us that have been battling the holiday blues, maybe struggling with some own depression, right? Maybe wrestling through the idea that that things are too heavy. I wanna pray that freedom into you, I wanna pray that excitement. Back into your spirit. I want to pray that all those chains of difficulty are snapped off. It's not that they go away, it's that they no longer hold you down. I want to pray that we begin to rejoice, that we begin to stir it up, that we start realizing that the joy of the Lord can be our strength for today because it's gonna change the chemistry of our body, that maybe if we, if we feel weak or we feel downtrodden, that maybe as we begin to remind ourselves of the goodness of God, it starts to fill us back up and our shoulders get higher and our neck gets straighter and our head is held high. I'm gonna pray that for you. If you need that, I just want you to be in a posture, whether you wanna close your eyes, whether or not you wanna open up your hands, I'm gonna pray the power of the Holy Spirit to come in and do a deep clean on our spirit, amen? Amen, let's do that. Holy Spirit, we say, in this beautiful holy moment, would you do some vacuuming of the momentary pain we are facing? Would you remind us of the glory that you brought into our lives when you dwelt in us? Jesus, would you remind us of that amazing good news of great joy, the exceeding joy that was felt in that Christmas moment, and yet it's all for today as well. Father, would you begin to snap off all the weight that hangs on to us that we can just 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 slough it off. Almost like, Lord, it's just cut like a pack off of our backs, as if we were carrying maybe a, a backpack full of bricks, and we just cut those straps, and it just fell off. That, God, in this moment, would you allow us to begin to breathe easy, that our lungs expand with the hope and the joy of the Lord, that we start to empty out from our spirit as we're breathing out right now. We are beginning to release out that which is heavy, that which is difficult, that which is crazy and confusing, that which we don't know, that which we're fearful about, that which we're sad about, that even right now that begins to exhale out of our body. And we breathe in the truth of God that right now, Lord, you're renewing our minds, you're refreshing our spirits, you're infusing your joy, and in this moment, everything is right because for the joy set before us, we can walk through anything. Thank you for establishing something permanent, that can't be touched by the wreckage of a fallen world. Thank you, Lord, for loving us right where we're at, walking with us in process, and renewing our hearts. We give this season to you. We give our lives to you. We give our homes to you. And we ask for your soothing, gentle wind to blow through where we're at. Refresh us now. In the precious and powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.